My name is Andy Dorado. This is Furthermore. We take the month's bestseller from the New York City bookstore where I work, we read the first 50 pages, and we decide, would we delve in or would we shelve it? Today on Furthermore, November's bestseller, The Dutch House by Anne Patchett. I'm joined by fellow NYUer, writing teacher, and author of the forthcoming book Being Lolita, Allison Wood, to take a look at Anne Patchett's newest work. Allison takes a brief respite from finishing her memoir, lest she forget how great fiction is, and she and I take a deep dive into Anne Patchett's line work, her plot, what works for Allison, what doesn't work for me. Described in a New York Times review as a dark fairy tale, Allison and I debate whether or not it lives up to that, or whether or not Anne Patchett did something else great with this book. It takes place in Philadelphia. Uh, I, I can't say much in a Philadelphia accent. Um, Poconos. Yeah, that's all I got. What worked for Allison? What worked for me? What did we like? What didn't we like? Did we delve in? Or did we shelve it? Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Furthermore. I am Andy, and I am joined here today by Allison. Allison, what is your last name? Wood. So difficult. <laughs> I won't even ask you to spell that. Uh, Allison is a good friend from NYU Woo! and also the editor-in-chief and founder of Pigeon Pages and also the author of the forthcoming Being Lolita, which is out in August. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to have you say some stuff about yourself now. <laughs> Okay, so I'm Allison Wood. I am a writer and a professor of creative writing. I teach intro to creative writing, and I love it. And I also teach uh, not advanced nonfiction at Sackett Street here oh, in cool. New York oh, City. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and I love teaching. I love working with students about writing. And my first book is coming out yes. this August, which is really exciting. It's a memoir. It's called Being Lolita. Yes, and coming out, as you said, August, right? August and 2020. You were also the founder editor of, of Pigeon Pages. Yep, founder and editor of Pigeon Pages, yep. which is an online literary journal. We publish poetry, nonfiction, fiction. We do these great little author interviews. Yes. And we are also a monthly reading series yeah. here in the city, which is wonderful. Yes. And we've, it's just so great because I get to host and, um, you know, really uplift and share the work of people who I love, emerging and established writers. Yeah. And I just love being able to be part of the literary community in a really like tactile yeah. way yeah 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 fun to follow on social media too and i will definitely yeah. i'll definitely put some some furthermore posts up oh. about and <laughs> yeah. link to that so well Great. it's nice because furthermore you've got a bird i've got the bird in yep. your logo we yep. are pigeon pages yep. we have our own Almost little new york very new york <laughs> i mean we we have this little stuffed pigeon that we call midge oh we well, midge. okay i'm sorry midge is the one made of steel Ooh. Mimi is our portable one. She's nice. a little stuffed, you know, soft little plush thing. Nice. So Midge and Mimi. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, she's really heavy. She's got some gravitas. <laughs> she's, I think she's intended to be a doorstop. Oh. And she's very That's heavy. Because I feel like if you if you turn it into a publishing company, you got to name it Steel Pigeon. Steel Pigeon. Steel Pigeon Press. Oh, my God. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, Mimi. We are at Pigeon Pages NYC on all of the social medias. <laughs> very nice. Simple. And you've got a book coming out in August. Tell me about that. I do. So exciting. I do. It is very exciting. Also very scary. Yes. So this is my first book, um, and every single person I've talked to who's who's written books has all said the same thing, that the first book is always the scariest. Yeah. And I can say, having not read written any other books, <laughs> that is still true. That is definitely true. Um, it's called Being Lolita. It's a memoir about how when I was 17, 18 years old, I was in a relation, quote-unquote relationship <laughs> with an English teacher in my high school that... 
unsurprisingly, quickly turned pretty abusive and awful and about how that has impacted my life, especially now that I teach. I teach creative writing at NYU and I love it. And it's been really interesting working with students who are now just a little bit older than I was. And, yeah. you know, um, but it's exciting. It's It's been a tough book, but it's an exciting book. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I read parts of that uh, right. in, in class. I think we only had one workshop class together. We did. Darren, right? Yes. We had Darren Strauss. Um, yep. The great Darren Strauss. Darren. Darren promised he'd be on an episode with me. <gasps> oh, so Darren. Why Darren, haven't you done this <laughs> if yet? If you're listening, hopefully I'll get you on soon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I mean, you'd been writing that for, for a little while. I've been poking that, at right? that for yeah. a while. And then it was when I got into the MFA that I was like, okay, this is the time. It. Get it done. Yeah. Um, and it's really, I've really written it over the past two and a half years. Cool. So. And just out of curiosity for anybody out there listening who is not a writer or anything. So you're at the point in your book where you're doing some final edits. Final edits, the very last stages. Cool. Um, we already have a cover. Yes, which, which is, is great. Yeah. So it looks so it's, cool. It's a really great cover. The graphic designer there at Flatiron Books, um, he did such a wonderful job and I'm just so grateful and I have such a wonderful team and my editor is great and I love my agent. I'm really, really lucky. Nice. Um, and I'm at Mac Macmillan, which yeah. is, you know, yeah. the dream yeah. to be at a small imprint at a big five. I yeah. mean, yeah. that's the goal. Absolutely. So I am beyond lucky already. And how long have you been editing? I feel like I saw you last oh, year forever. somewhere around this time <laughs> and I feel like you needed to turn in your first edits. Yep. Yeah, what? I had gone to an event at NYU and you were there. Right, but I don't remember because I was working at the was. reading series. I yeah. I help I help work at the reading series events at NYU's yes. MFA. I was so happy yeah. to see you yeah. at the Ocean Vuong one oh. because it was so crazy. And I was like, "What is this giant line?" And then you saw me and you were like, "Andy, yes, come in, sit down." <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you, thank God. <laughs> I, I love being me. in charge sometimes. <laughs> like you give me a role of authority, and I'm like, "All right, let's go." <laughs> I was like, I can, I can come and I can sit down and yep. I can see this thing. Mm -hmm. So I saw you. I was like, you come. <laughs> that was a pretty intense event. That was, we had, was. I think there were like 300 people waiting yep. and we only let in 70 yeah, or the, something. That line was around the block. Wild. But Ocean Vuong's amazing. Yeah. So that's why. It was so cool to hear yeah. him speak. Actually, in conversation with Darren Strauss. So, in conversation with the one and only... <laughs> Darren Strauss. So today we are reading the first 50 pages of The Dutch House by Ann Patchett, which Allison kindly agreed to to come up Happily. and do with me. Of course. Uh, but before we get into that, I'm going to give you the old furthermore round of questions. And we'll start with the one that I warned you about, which is, do you have a favorite book? Um, Well, it's interesting. So since I've been writing a memoir about me being 17, 18, I've been very much immersed in yeah. 17, 18-year-old Allison, um, nice. <laughs> who was very bookish, wanted desperately to be a writer, and was also um, in a pretty dark, vulnerable place. So my favorite book then was Sylvia Plath's The Bell Jar. Ah, that makes I sense. loved yeah. The Bell Jar. Yeah. And I'd read it multiple times. So as part of sort of like working on the book, I reread it yeah. um, more recently. And I loved it just the same. Good. So, that's great. You know, I, I don't know <laughs> if I would say that that's my very favorite book in my entire life. Yeah. But that was a very important and impactful book for me. And I think it's just so beautiful. And I teach the bell jar. Nice. Because, you know, the, the creative writing class that I teach um, is uh, subtitled Powerful Women. Cool. I only teach women authors nice. on my syllabus nice. and non-binary writers. Nice. And I think that The Bell Jar is a really great example of, um, it, you know, it's funny, it's a lot like The Capture in the Rye, I think, in some ways, mm -hmm. by Salinger, in that 
It's telling the story of a young adult sort of struggling, trying to find their place. You know, there's some yeah. issues with depression and mental illness, yeah. you know, more, more obviously in the Bell Dry, I think. Mm -hmm. But both of them are very similar books in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah. But then the funny thing is that, you know, Capture in the Rye, every high school senior has to read that book. Right, it's right, taught right. ubiquitously. Whereas the bell jar is like, oh, that's for sad girls, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like, oh, Sylvia Plath, you need the writer who killed herself. <laughs> right, who, who walked into the lake and drowned herself, right? That's is that Virginia Woolf. Old... Damn it, I can always confuse <laughs> Virginia Woolf put stones in her pockets and drowned herself in the lake. Sylvia Plath put her head in the oven. In the oven, oh, that's yeah. right. But so I just think it's actually really important to, I really enjoy reading the bell jar with, yeah. and my classes are mostly young women. Yeah. So it's really wonderful to read that book and then to talk about how similar it is to a right. book that is sort of like the catcher in the rye. This right, is the right, best right. book ever. Right. And I'm like, so how come that's this amazing, and not this. staggering, yeah. triumphant book, but then this is for sad girls. Yeah. And I think that's really that's a really important conversation to have, and I love having that with my that's, students. That's so cool to to go back to something and love it just as much. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautifully it. written book. Yeah. I think her on a line level. Her use of metaphor and poetic devices, it's a gorgeous book. Yeah. Sounds and like it's, there's a lot to teach in it. Yeah, and it's, yeah. I think it's also so good at um, capturing empathy, yeah. teaching a writer how, how you can create empathy on the page. And yeah. I, I just think it's great. Yeah. So I'm still a big fan. Nice. That's good. <laughs> and it, it was exciting to reread and be like, you... oh, I'm not embarrassed by it. <laughs> yeah, you did have yeah. an answer to that. <laughs> you looked so scared when I said I it like, earlier. Ah. Well, so that being said, do you usually do you have a genre that you usually gravitate towards? Like, are you do, are you a big memoir reader, or you usually stick to fiction? I read a lot of poetry, actually. Nice. Um, when I was first like a baby writer, um, so in other words, the first fifteen years that I was <laughs> writing. Um, I really thought of myself as maybe more of a poet than yeah. anything, and I defined myself as a poet. Mm. Um, it's funny, so my first sort of big piece was an essay in the New York Times. That's right, yes. Get yeah. Home Safe, My right. Rapist Said, yeah. yeah. And that was back in 2015, which seems so long ago now, which it is does. wild. It does. I've, I've guessed, yeah, I've been at, I've been working at the bookstore since 2014, and I just now I feel incredibly yeah. like old. It's amazing but, yeah. how time marches ago. on. Wow. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I remember for that, um, it, it's an essay, but when I was, when they were asking me, like, so what's your bio? And it's only, right. at the New York Times, it's only allowed to be one sentence. Oh. I wanted it to be Alison Wood as a poet. And then, <laughs> thankfully, my professor and mentor was like, um, yeah, how about Alison Wood is working on a memoir? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, but thank goodness, because, you know, yeah. I haven't really done much poetry in the past few years, but I love reading poetry. Yeah. And I would say also, since I've been working on the book, I've read a lot of memoir, yeah. um, and I've read a lot of essays, and that's sort of really what I've been most into, maybe. Yeah. But, I mean, I love fiction. Yeah. I love a good book. Any, find, any book. Do you find that you have a lot of time to read for pleasure now? Or no. have you you've been really, like, keyed into, <laughs> yeah? No, I feel like these past two years, unless it's been assigned an MFA class, yeah. or has something to do with Nabokov, I have yeah. not gotten to read it, um, nor I haven't gotten to indulge in any sort of media. Oh man! I mean, it's been it's been rough. Um, writing books is not for the faint of heart. So what's I the what's say. the first thing you're going to read or watch when you can, when 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 the book is out on the shelves and that Wednesday afterward? What are you gonna What are you gonna read or watch? Oh, uh, I want to read as soon as the book is to bed, as in like all of the yeah. edits are done. I want to read my brilliant friend. Yeah, I want to read the Neapolitan trilogy. Yeah. That so many people have told me is wonderful, yeah. and I will love. Brisa um, read it, and she 
she thought it was great. I have not run into a single person who yeah. did not love it. And I really, I think also after all of this, like, I don't know if you feel like this after you've sort of been like really deep into a project, mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. Like yeah. my mind, yep. my heart, yep. Yep. <laughs> all of me is exhausted by like all of the like literary or, you know, what I hope is literary work. So I want to read like fun things. I've never read Harry Potter. Oh, I'm considering should, yeah. just, you know, embarking on Harry yeah. Potter. Yeah. Um, a couple, two other uh, close uh, writer friends and girlfriends of mine, we are starting a YA book club. Nice. So our first book is Forever by Judy Bloom. Oh, nice. Which oh, we yeah. have both read. We've yeah. all read it already. <laughs> and then next month is um, From the Mixed Up Files of Miss Basil Lee oh, Frank yeah. Weiler, which yeah. I adore. I think that author used to go to one of our other locations. Maybe I'm confusing it. But yeah, that was a, that was a popular one. We actually did, um, I have an old uh, friend and an old coworker from here, Jess, who is you know she's a big YA reader and we did pet on, mm. on that which I finished and I really liked so I want to I want to do I want to go back to more YA stuff particularly with Jesper with other people too and, and read some of that because yeah. I'm you know reading so much but I just feel like I so need fun. a break yeah. I want to read things that are strictly pleasurable yeah. just fun yeah. I don't want to be working too hard <laughs> in my head yeah Harry Potter tired. is a fun one that is that is a good and one I've to do but it. yeah so many there's yeah. so many good things though yeah especially YA things you can sort of just go through them but I think I might be like really embracing the yeah. YA genre. It also makes sense because I mean I've been trying so hard to inhabit 17, 18 year old right. myself. Right. So it makes sense that I'm like YA. Yeah. Like it feels very like natural yeah. to me right now. That's so funny. So yeah. Oh man. <laughs> well, do you have a like looking back on your childhood, was was Judy Bloom something you read? Do you have a favorite book that you you remember as a as a kid? I read I was a voracious reader. Yeah. Voracious. Yeah. Um so I loved serials. I mm. loved books where there were like 20. Um, nice. <laughs> my, my mother used to, take, used to take me to the library every week and I would leave with like these huge stacks. Yeah. I mean, not literally, but seemingly taller than yeah. I was of books. Yeah. And I would read them all. So <laughs> I used to read um, a lot of Nancy Drew. Nice. The Babysitter's Club. Yeah. I also loved reading, um, not the Beatrix Potter uh, books, but the... The Old Mother West Wind from oh, like the twenties and thirties, yeah. nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> which are just about these like you know little uh, toads and little uh, Mister Fox and yeah, whatever okay. these yeah, little yeah. creatures yep. having these sort of like funny little adventures, but yep. all being very polite yes. the entire yeah, yeah. time. Yep. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I would take out huge stacks of books, yeah. so I loved books that I could read a lot of that yeah. I could sort of keep reading. Yeah, um, that's a satisfying thing at the store when you can get a kid reading like the first in a series or, right. or even somebody comes in to buy a present and like, like to be like, this is the first in a series of yeah. like 12. So mm -hmm. if they like it, just knowing that they're going to come back and like go through the whole set. It's always yeah. fun to watch a kid like on book eight. Like, do you have yeah. number nine? Like, yeah, I can get it for you. Don't yeah. worry. It's, it's yeah. so much fun. One of my best friends from home, um, they, uh, she has two little boys. One of them is five and I just, he's a, he's a really smart kid. Yeah. He's a great reader yeah. at five. Yeah. Um, so I got him the first uh, Bad Guys book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved yep. it. So nice. for Christmas, I got him. He, I couldn't find number two. I was last minute shopping. <laughs> um, I couldn't find number two, but I skipped to number three. And I nice. was like, hopefully he didn't miss anything. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, my hope is that, like, for a little kid book, there's yeah. not some sort of massive yeah. plot thing. I don't think he'll hold a grudge if not. <laughs> you yeah. get him number two later, and then he'll go back I'll and I'll get him number two for his birthday, which yeah. is in March. Yeah. So, Perfect. you know. But, yeah, I, he's he was really excited about the fact that it was, like, a bunch of books. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's just something so magical about that. Like oh, you find wonderful. something you like and then knowing there's so much more of it out there. It's yeah. like, I it's remember great. that feeling. Yeah. It's so cool. And like the first quote unquote adult book I read was Gone with the Wind. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Mm. And it was for the same reason because I was just constantly like clipping through books at this outrageous rate yeah <laughs> my parents i think were getting my mother especially was getting a little bit sick of like constantly having to buy me used books and, yeah yeah you know and so she i was at some bookstore i actually i distinctly remember this it was at a walden books oh yeah Ooh. and i wanted to get like four babysitters clubs or something yeah. like that like the new ones yeah. and my mom was like <laughs> okay allison read some of gone with the read this like just put gone with one in my hand like sat me down in, like one of those chairs yeah was like okay so you read the first chapter of this and then if you still want to get the four babysitter club books you can get those or if not um you know you can get this in just can... one that's so yeah funny. i that's... read the first chapter and was like oh my god gone that's with a... the wind southern drama <laughs> that's, a what? Great, that's such a great ploy too like i'm sick of buying you books have this thousand page book exactly. that'll hold you over for yeah. a long time have this door stop that's really and funny. it's very efficient yeah yeah. yeah, very practical. I was I like, good call, Mom. I get it. I was just reading something. Um, the writer, Suzanne McConnell, she has a whole book about, like, Kurt Vonnegut's writing advice. Oh. So I've been writing, I've been going through that. But she was talking about the first sentence in God with the Wind and how that was one of the first things mm. that she remembers. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like um, Scarlet was, was pretty to everyone, particularly to the so-and-so brothers or something like that. And then goes on to say something about her sitting on the porch in the humidity. And it's like, yeah, she was just like, you know, so much immediately in those first two sentences. And it was just was sort of like praising how good that was. So wait, here it got is. It. Here Scarlett O'Hara was not beautiful, but then seldom realized it when caught by her charm as the Tarleton twins were. There you go. That tells you so yep. much, yep. so much. One sentence. Yep. That is some concise yep useful powerful writing <laughs> one sentence she, you already she, know so much right she was like there's a reason it sold so fast i mean like it's a thousand page book and in the first yeah. sentence you know so much in the first so. sentence you're like got it yep. let's go that's i'm i'm here for the ride yeah well on, on that too if you are you the kind of person that when you're reading a book if you find that you're not liking it do you put it down and move on to the next thing or do you stick it out i do <laughs> Oh, well, okay. To be fair, I don't, I do not know the last time I got to sit down and like read a book for pleasure. Yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah. Um, but before I used to really try to stick it out. Yeah. Um, and at this point I cannot remember any books that I abandoned, but mm. that does not mean that I did not abandon them. It just means yeah. that they were forgettable. Yeah. Um, I, I always want to stick it out. The funny thing is, well, here's the other funny thing now that like <laughs> I run a literary journal, I'm constantly reading slush. Yeah. I'm in the submittable, you know, things from strangers. Yeah. Um, I ne do not want to finish those pieces unless they're good. <laughs> um, I know some of my readers on my team are really diligent. They'll read the whole submission. Yeah. I will read I, the first paragraph. Yeah. If I the first paragraph sucks, maybe I'll read the first page. And I'm like, right. nope, I'll skip to the end. And I'm like, unless it seems like it's great. Right. Nope. And I've, I have never been proven wrong. Yeah. That's, that's a that's a consequence of efficiency you have so yeah. much to get through that i mean there's a reason they teach that as writing advice of like make it good from the beginning especially make a great like involvement the slush, make right. a great first sentence make yep. a great first paragraph yep. because the thing is especially if you've got you know if you're like well r.i.p tim house but you know the yep. new yorker paris review one of those like big places where yep. you have thousands of yep. submissions unless you are great from the first sentence that's yep. mm -hmm. a tough thing to do and you know it's what really if, if, if that was that was a tough thing for me to get used to as a writer but 
as somebody who came from an acting background, it was like sometimes, oh, me too. yeah, sometimes, I mean, you go somewhere and you could be perfect for the part, but you might not look it and right. that's it. Like there's, mm -hmm. it's so the, the harshness yeah. of, of the, of trying to get, get things published or first get a glance. job at, as an actor or stuff is, yeah. it's tricky, but mm -hmm. that's just the way. Well, it's the, the first impression, yep. which is sort of every medium, like with acting, it's sort of yep. like, well, how do you look the book? What's the first sentence? Right. right. Yeah. I mean, first sentences are so important. I was, I mean, I hope my first sentence is good, but I've been really... <laughs> I've really you gone been, back and agonized over it a little bit. You know, the funny thing is the first sentence has always been the first sentence, but yeah. I have always been like, oh, is yep. it good enough? Yep. Um, you know, especially now that I'm in the last stages. But yeah. I think that my editor would kill me if I was like, I'm going to change. Right. I, I also feel like your editor would have said earlier if oh, your sentence was yeah. a gift. If yeah. she didn't like it, she would have been like, no, I'm going to change this. Yeah. No, I think it's probably, I hope it's a good sentence. Yeah. The, good, the sure. first sentence <laughs> is, um, so the book is Being Lolita. The first time he kissed me, it wasn't on the mouth. Yes, I, I think I remember that from... I could probably find... I probably have you know, a saved uh, critique thing there somewhere. Yeah, the opening I hasn't shifted that. a yep. lot. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, I mean, it's so important to pack a real punch yep. in your first sentence yep. to, create, to create stakes, to set up characters, yep. to, you know, really sort of, like, set a scene and a tone. And, yeah, first yep. sentences are yep. important. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky thing judging books by their first 50 pages uh, on the podcast, but I, it's it's been fun. It's, it's a, it is a challenge kind of thing, yeah. and, and, but that's what I think is, is fun about it. So, okay, two more really quick ones. Uh, about how long do you think it takes you to get through a book if you sit I'm down? I'm a pretty fast reader. Yeah. yeah, I'm still a pretty fast reader. Like, I read this 50 pages in definitely under an hour. Nice. Yeah, I'm a pretty fast reader. Um, I'm always so. shocked by people. I'll be like, how long does it take you to get through a book? You're like, eh. 10 minutes, I can read 300 pages. Oh, like, wait, what? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, and I also have to say, there's a huge uh, variance in how long a book takes right. me by, like, how dense it is yeah. or yeah. how, frankly, boring it is right. or bad it is. If it's a book I'm not enjoying, like, oh, dear Lord, it takes me so long. <laughs> um, I have to keep putting it down and yeah. wandering away. Yeah. I can't keep focused. Um, so sometimes books are, like, tough yeah you know take a long time but yeah. if it's a good book if it's a book that i like i will just like clip along and yep. you know before i know it i'm like where did it go yeah. it's all over <laughs> and when you're reading how do you keep your place are you a bookmark person are you dog ear you i love that? a bookmark yeah. but i'm also not afraid to dog ear nice. or sometimes even um sometimes i'll even like write in a book i don't tend oh, to right. do that too much but yeah. i was doing i found that i was doing that a lot when i was working on my book yeah when i was reading other things i found myself constantly writing in margins yeah. underlining things yeah you know, so I've gotten much more, you know, I'm a big believer in the um, the Linda Berry idea that journaling is a verb. And mm. I think reading is also can also be sort of yeah. very like tactile, yeah. you know, doesn't have to be sort of this passive experience. So do you have do you have like a writer's notebook that you keep and yes. keep around? I do. Yeah, actually. Well, right now I only have a notebook that is strictly book related. Nice. <laughs> I really, nice. Because I only have, you know, it's, it's less than a month until right. the book is over yeah i keep talking about it being over it's, it's all over <laughs> so, until it has um, a, a new start i mean yes. it's gonna hit the shelves for everybody for yeah 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 um so i'm i'm limiting myself to this like notebook that i that i keep like all book things yeah. in and like book notes and yeah. like you know drafts of things but normally i do have a writer's journal i really yes. like doing the linda berry um technique yeah. where you know the the quadrant journaling. Oh, right, right, right. Were you in Hannah Tinty's class? I wasn't. I didn't get. I, oh. Everybody carried around their big, cool right. notebooks and. So Hannah Tinty, you know, the author and um, 
uh, founder of One Story, editor yeah. editor in chief maybe yeah. of One Story, um, and professor at professor at NYU. At NYU. Yeah. She makes us use makes us buys us these journals, these like little like sort of simple uh, online journals, mm-hmm. and makes us write in them every day the entire semester. That is like what a large part of what you do in Hannah's class. Yeah. And you can, you know, doodle, you can um, tape things in, you can, you know, do whatever you want, but she wants you to really be like actively engaging yeah. in the writing process as very much like a holistic creative process. Interesting. And it's wonderful. Yeah. I love doing that. Yeah. So, and I, I, my final semester is Hannah Tinty and Zadie Smith. Oh, nice. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. So I know I'm going to get another brand new yes. journal. Oh, I'm nice. like, yes, <laughs> yes, freedom. That's cheating. You get to do it twice. I know. Well, I, I think I have four of those journals. Yeah. I did two in my semester with her and then I kept it up. Yeah. And then I, I let it go when I was finishing up the book because I just had to be so focused on it. Everything was yeah. about the book. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I had class with Hari Kunzru and he had oh. us submit just like things that we would write in our notebook. And in one of those days of class, he said, you know, who, who has a notebook? And I think I was the only person that did not raise their <gasps> hand because I just, what? I don't. I don't, and everybody would. Do you not freehand write, or do you just, or do you just not write? I on don't. The go? I don't write on the go. Oh. I don't. I don't know. I, I've never been somebody who just like takes notes on stuff, except mm. to write down when I when I used to write music. I used to like to name songs, mm. ridiculous things. So that's the one thing I do have is just a list of ridiculous <laughs> long titles to oh name God, I love to it. name songs. So do um, you ever name them short stories or something? Would you ever I, reappropriate those titles? I I wish I don't know because it feels so wrong to name. <laughs> Like, like I, you know, I had songs that were called like, uh, we're not going to teach an octopus how to commit a crime or one of them. I'm sorry, that's going to be an amazing flash fiction piece. (laughs) But like it always seems, it always seems terrible to name it something that's not, because the song, I always tried to name it something that had nothing to do with the song because that was, you know, that was what I liked. One of them was, Mm -hmm. uh, I had a song called Knock Knock, A Zombie's In My Arms, which is a line from, um. A, a song in company by Steven Sondheim that I just oh, was cool. like I love this line so I'm making this well, but that was it and all these people in Ari's class had these like really like erudite things Beautiful. to say and like yeah. stuff that they noticed and I was like I like when my dog wags his tail like that I was like struggling to find anything yeah. and Harry would he would take his favorite things and he'd print them out and we'd go through and he would just be like this is a cool and it wasn't in a like a like a shame way of like yeah, but yeah. it was always kind of disheartening I was like oh none of mine made yeah. it on this list because they were stupid no. well I, no, so, I know what you mean I mean a, a lot of like famous authors they like print their journals yeah, you know yeah, so speaking yeah. of Sylvia Plath yeah. her journals are just gorgeous mm-hmm. every single thought that that woman yep. had was just beautiful yep. and lyric yep. and so insightful and then there's my journaling where it is similar things <laughs> like i watched my dog i watched my cat you know i i heard the sound of my cat um you know uh what's it called um, purring rolling no. I don't know. <laughs> vomiting <Let> me, <laughs> no. i i listened to the sound of my cat kicking kitty litter oh, in its litter box nice and i'm like that was my deep moment yeah. <laughs> of the afternoon you know so at least you wrote it down though i just i guess i never i mean i never i i I didn't do that in college or anything, and you know. You I, never had any tinties. No, and I never had. I never had to do that. So, so That's I don't fun. know. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. I have this little notebook that I write notes when I'm mm-hmm. reading things for the podcast in. But yeah. And then this other notebook that was. This is mostly um, notes from class mm-hmm. from from all of those. But, mm. but yeah. So. Yeah. Well. It's maybe good I'll times. get into it. Journaling maybe I'll get into is a verb. It. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Reese has gotten into the bullet journal <gasps> thing. Oh, She's oh, been really <laughs> liking that. So which. She was like, 
So it intimidates me, but year. also excites me. Yeah, she really liked it. I'm not even a good date book person. It's so, hard. Sorry, Arisa. I'm a terrible date book person. I can't. I have to. I don't like to write it down. I can't. So. I should probably. But anyway, so all right, let's let's talk okay. a little bit about Ann Patchett. The Dutch so house. have you have you ever read anything by Ann Patchett before? No, I am no. embarrassed to say <laughs> I have not. Um, I have. I am certain that I have at least one. Frankly, maybe more than one. Yeah. Um, paperback edition of Bel Canto yeah. that I was given at some point by someone. No. Being told, oh, this is so great. Yeah. Um, and I never, I never read it. Um, yeah. And I just, I haven't, I've not read any of her things. And I feel bad about that because <laughs> I should have, because she's a name. Yeah. You know, well, people talk about yeah. her in I'm, a good way. I'm glad that, I'm glad that we could do this together. She is, she's somebody that I know very well from, from working in bookstores. I'm familiar mm -hmm. with her books, but it's funny because I can never remember if her stuff was fiction or nonfiction. It was like, always sort of floating in the back of my mind is like, wait, is that, mm -hmm. is that, I'm like trying to remember like, oh yeah, Bel Canto, is Bel that Canto. fiction or is that not? It's fiction. And they're all fiction. Yeah, but, you know, seven it's just novels, like three books of nonfiction. Yeah. Maybe yep. that's why is that she, maybe a couple mm -hmm. of years ago, I feel yeah. like she maybe had a nonfiction thing and, and so maybe. The since, this is the story of a happy marriage. Maybe, yeah. That's the most recent one. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I had never read her either, but, but I, you know, very much familiar with titles like State mm -hmm. of Wonder and, and Bel Canto. The Magician's and, Assistant, Commonwealth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I was saying to Allison before we started recording that I think everybody has a copy of Bel Canto they picked up from a, like a, a used book sale or something. Right. Yeah. You go to a book sale and there's Bel Canto and you say to yourself, ah, somebody told me to read that. Yeah. So I'm going to buy it today. It's, mm -hmm. you know, two bucks at this yeah. the library sale. Mm -hmm. So. But so Ann Patchett, she was born in L.A. in 1963, but when she was eight, her parents divorced and she moved to Nashville, where she still lives. And she owns a bookstore. And she owns a bookstore there, which is, uh, oh man. Parnassus uh, Books. Parnassus Books, right. She and her, her husband uh, own that. How cute. So she she graduated from Sarah Lawrence and then she oh. studied at the Iowa Writers Workshop. Uh -huh. So she, you know, absolutely has a good writing great little, pedigree. Great little writing pedigree. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she actually, she worked, she had written for magazines and stuff. I think I read that she used to write for Seventeen magazine. And oh, I then, love it. And then left when she had a, a big dispute with the editor-in-chief and oh, dear. just like walked out. I wonder oh. if it was something about like scandalous, like writing yeah. about abortion. I or, wonder, yeah. You know, bra burning. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to know that story. So I'm sure she has, I'm sure she tells the story. That would be a fun one to go to yeah. an event and be like, what happened at Seventeen Why magazine? did you leave Seventeen yeah. magazine? <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, so I'm just like, I've always known Ann Patchett, and, and I've never picked anything up. This book got a great review in the New York Times. It got a great Kirkus review. Southgate. Yeah, it's just a lot of stuff. Yeah. I actually think this is one of the books, though, that I think that the copy on the flap is really poorly written, and apologies if somebody wrote it. It's just, this oh, is like no, the... I completely agree. It's like the essay thing in me. Mm -hmm. um, at the very end, it says... And though you may read it quickly to discover what happens, Danny and Mae will stay with you for a very long time. It's just like, what? Why? Why? Though what? you may read it quickly. <laughs> though you may there, read it quickly. <laughs> there must have been a better way to phrase yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. It was like, yeah. it was like the first draft that somebody It is filled like, with suspense, and though you may read it quickly to discover what happens, <laughs> Danny and Maeve will stay with you for a very long time. There feels, must be a better way. It feels wrong for the flap to talk yeah. to me directly, mm -hmm. but I don't know. So, and you know, of course, Ann Patch has to nothing say, to do with that. But So, I'm at my copy yes. just got finalized for my book. Nice. Copy is fucking hard yeah. it is hard yeah. to synthesize 
a whole book yeah. and try to make it sound both, you know, snappy and engaging and, yeah. oh, I want to pick this up, but yeah. also being, especially, I mean, my book is pretty dark. Yeah. <laughs> my book is not a happy book. Yeah. Um, but you still want it to sound exciting and yeah. not just like, this is a sad, depressing book. <laughs> <laughs> but so you um, didn't have to write the copyright. They have somebody, somebody at the... I actually ended up taking you... a crack at it. Oh, nice. Yeah, because I was... Um, I wasn't satisfied with the original version. It sounded nice. just a little too sexy. Yeah. Ooh, it was just right. too sexy. And I was like, okay, I get it. It's Lolita. Yeah. Not that kind of book, though. Right, right, right. So then I took a crack at it. And then my editor um, did some wonderful edits on nice. it, like yeah. editors do. Yeah. Um, and even my agent weighed in. So it became a very oh, sort of cool. like collaborative process. Cool. And I'm very happy with it in the end. But Good. like after the first i was devastated and i was like oh no yeah. so i just have to say that now i'm very empathetic yeah. to copy and yep. i'm like oh they're trying yeah. I, you, you know, know. <laughs> i usually find it i usually find it great i mean i i there, it's you, so hard. you have to do that mix of like it's it's like going back to your elevator pitch for your book exactly. right you it have to like catch somebody in an instant but yeah. also you know, get your points mm -hmm. across and, and this But was... no, I do not think that this is good copy. Yeah. Because I have to say, so I did not read the copy until after I read the first yep. four chapters. I decided to read it read it cold. Yeah. But then after reading the first couple chapters, reading the copy, I'm like, what? Like, what? Yeah. This, what does this have to do with what I read? Right. At the end of the Second World War, Cyril Conroy. I mean, I don't know. This isn't this isn't a book to me anyway about Cyril. Oh, right. This is about Danny and I, May. I don't even think they mention his name in the first no, little they don't. In the first fifty the first, pages. The first so pages, they do not I went to the copy to I was like, I can't keep calling him Danny's father. What's his name? And I was yeah. like, Oh, I guess it's Cyril. So No, it's yeah. funny. Yeah, I was and also they're telling us the two wealthy siblings are thrown back into poverty. Okay, spoiler alert. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because already in chapter five, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So, yeah. um, said over the course of five decades, the Dutch house is a dark fairy tale about two smart people who cannot overcome their past. Yeah. I don't know about that. I disagree I like with dark the, fairy tale. Yeah. I, you know, that actually, tale. that was a big part of the, the New York Times review that aren't Michael Southgate. Aren't most fairy tales dark, though? <laughs> this is a happy fairy tale I mean, like to, all to of me, them. To yeah. be fair, aren't almost all of them <laughs> yep. really fucked up? Like, yep. not the Disney versions, yeah, but no, it's the, like... Yeah, the old, the old Grimm's or whatever. Yeah, are people are so losing weird. their feet and getting killed yep. and getting eaten yep. and turned into toads. Yep. And like, I don't know what... Sorry, that that's an aside, <laughs> but... I, I don't know. Did you find this? I mean, well, I guess we'll get into it more with the first 50 pages, but I didn't really find when I read this, I didn't think to myself, there's very much a fairy tale quality to this. And I guess as I when I was going back and sort of writing out the summary for myself, I was like, OK, I guess I kind of recognize some of the elements of it. But in in the in Martha Southgate in her, her New York Times review, she really like pushes this idea that it's sort of a modern fairy tale. And I guess I didn't really see that in the in. I don't if I'm getting here. modern fairy tale. Yeah. I think that I could see the fairy tale thing happening with all of the lush descriptions of the house. Yeah. Yeah. And because it feels to me almost like a castle. Yeah. In some way. I mean, maybe it's just not here in the first 50 pages. Yeah. Well, let's let's go back through this and yeah. see if maybe we can find some more. I just feel like that was kind of the angle that they were they were pushing for this. But hmm. so. All right. So we talked about opening sentences. I actually do think this one is is pretty good. The first time our father brought Andrea to the Dutch house, Sandy, our housekeeper, came to my sister's room and told us to come downstairs. See, I actually don't like that opening. It's sentence. not the best thing, but it's not the worst. For me, there's there's Andrea. Well, OK, there's our father, mm -hmm. Andrea, the Dutch house. Sandy, Sandy. my sister. <laughs> Our housekeeper. Yeah. Well, Sandy is their housekeeper. Right, right, right. But nonetheless, there's, in one sentence, there are five 
people or places named. Yeah. Which to me is a lot. Yeah. And so I actually found myself look. I I don't think I really got engaged into the book for a couple pages. Yeah. Well, and part of it was I was like. I know that there's sort of the thing of like, you know, bring a reader in in medias res, you right, know, like right, just bring them right, right in. But I felt like the first sort of chunk of stuff, I was like, what's happening? Yeah. Who do I care about? Yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah. Kind of thing. I think I was also hoping that the I would be a girl. Hmm. Maybe that's just my own personal thing as a reader. That actually, that is something I want to I want to come back to. Actually, is is Danny versus Maeve is as, as I thought Maeve was characters. so much more yeah. interesting. So so the the book opens with Andrea and this this woman coming to mm -hmm. the Dutch house and and we slowly learn that uh, you know the the main character the narrator is Danny and, mm -hmm. and we meet him and his uh, older sister by seven years Maeve. Yep. And in these first few pages, we learn a little bit about the Dutch house, which is this yep. large house in the suburb of Elkins Park in Philadelphia, which was first owned by a Dutch family, surprise, surprise, mm -hmm. the Van Hubakes. Um, and Danny, the, the main character, his father, Cyril, who was never named in this, never like named. we said, but we know from the from the flap, uh, he, he bought the house. So it's this big, really interesting house where most of it is made mm -hmm. of glass, you know, at one point Seems in time. Seems to be, yeah. Mm -hmm. Andrea mentioned that she can sort of like see through like through it it's i don't know i had a hard time imagining it yeah it's enough. something about you know aren't you afraid of being seen mm -hmm. um aren't you afraid of being seen did yeah. you did you like this idea of the of a giant glass house i almost felt like and she doesn't really push this but i almost felt like it was just like begging the like people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones sort of comparison mm -hmm. this whole time of like so if any of these characters do anything where they judge anybody or, or something like that, yeah. we're going to kind of it's go all gonna back, come to, back this. to you. But blah, she doesn't blah. really push it much. But yeah. so so Danny, their their mother has passed away, and Danny and Maeve mm -hmm. most well, have been raised actually, by their servants. We're, we're we're not sure if she's actually dead. <laughs> right, right, right. For the record, what we've been told as readers is that the mother went off to India. Yes. We have no idea if she's actually dead. If she was sick, if she was being institutionalized, yep. it's not clear at where, all. And where was that? She really does try to, to bring you in in a scene. It, it, it seems clear to me yeah. that the first thing she really wants to get to is the Dutch house, is the house itself. Mm -hmm. But she does bring you in a scene and then does kind of give you sort of the background. We learned a little bit about... You know, the, the first woman who was their nanny, who they called Fluffy, she seems to be with their Fluffy. father and then mm -hmm. they, you know, had to let but her go. But she started because she was taking care of the house. Right. But yeah. She she was descended from the people who used to work mm -hmm. for the Van Hobakes. And so it yeah. really is just a lot of, of description of the Dutch house. Yeah. I, I had trouble in this first little bit to sort of trying to pick out Danny's voice. And yeah. I... I actually noted i mean the the second page the third paragraph on the second page or i guess the second paragraph every single line in this paragraph begins with sandy sandy asked me if i'd brush my teeth sandy had to do everything sandy would have laid the fire sandy was off on monday sandy and justin she's like mentioned sandy so many times and i was getting the mm -hmm. sense you know okay this is like is this a child's voice is this not and it's definitely danny sort of looking back and we, we mm -hmm. don't quite know from what vantage point he's looking back on but yeah. i could tell that i don't know it felt to me like she was trying to find sort of where to get us into the book and how to introduce us to these characters yeah and in this you know just in these first like few pages who was the character that stood out most to you Maeve. yeah and Maeve. why is that i let's see now i think 
I became engaged with May when on page six. Hmm. Um, let's see now. When the description of Maeve had been inclined to slouch when it when it first became apparent she's going to be taller than all the other girls in her class and most of the boys, and our father was relentless in his correction of her posture, head up, shoulders back, might as well have been her name. For yeah. years, he thumped her between the shoulder blades with the flat of his palm whenever he passed from a room, the unintended consequence of which was that Maeve now stood like a soldier in the queen's court, or like the queen herself. I was like... I felt I I liked that because I felt like I could see her, yeah. and I felt like it also told me a lot about her yeah. in that wonderful way that description can do. Yeah. So I felt like I was learning a lot about Maeve without sort of being told, without sort of being told something. That right. old example of showing not telling. Right. Exactly. And I I Which liked Maeve. I liked Maeve's character more because I mean she's sort of the one that that keeps things moving. Danny himself, admittedly. I mean, later in the in the pages, she goes away to college, and he like yep. he literally just kind of shuts himself in. So she's yeah. sort of you know funneling sort of like where the action is. Mm -hmm. And I did. There was part of me that maybe wanted the book through her voice, but then at the same time, I did sometimes like how much Danny like looked up to her. And, oh, I and very that we much enjoyed that. That yeah. part of it, I did like that. I I really enjoyed that too. Um. Oh, and also, so what we were saying on page six, right there on page six. Though the story will be remembered that Maeve and Andrea were at odds right from the start, that wasn't true. Maeve was perfectly fair and polite when they met, and she remained fair and polite until they were no until doing so was no longer possible. Yeah. But at eight, I was still probably smaller than the woman our father would later marry. Yeah. So from the get-go, we're being told yeah. this is being told in the past. Yeah. This narrator has already gone through it. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because it both sort of like provides a safety to the reader, like, hey, we get out okay, we survive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a thing that I've, I think I've probably mentioned it with every book that we've done on the podcast of like, there is usually a moment where the writer will sort of say, this is what's going to happen. And, mm -hmm. and this is how I'm going to get you there. The woman our father would later marry. Right. Yeah. And uh, Andrea, this character, she, she definitely strikes a nerve with, with the children. And, um, well, it also says right there, she right. remain may have remained fair and polite until and doing polite. so was no longer possible. Exactly. So it's like, Oh shit, yep. not going to go well. Yep. Got it. <laughs> they definitely do not seem to, to care for her at all. And by the time we, you know, we were getting through, we then, we get a flashback from when Danny is home from boarding school. So, you know, mm -hmm. in his first little bit, he's pretty young. And then we have another part where I think he's like maybe 15. He's been home. Uh, this part made me laugh. He's he's upset because an April Fool's Day joke to cap a bitter winter on page 12. Mm -hmm. And I wrote in my notes, oh, boo-hoo, it snowed April 1st because I'm from <laughs> central New York. And yeah. if it wasn't snowing April 1st, that would have been right. weird. So I was annoyed at Danny, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Come yeah, on, man, definitely. it's April. It's still fine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we I actually like these little scenes. There's one or two scenes in here where Maeve and Danny are, are older and first it's as teenagers and then later, mm -hmm. you know, Danny's in grad school. And those are kind of fun to see, you know, how they've bonded as they've yeah. grown up. Well, I think that same section, I really like, the again, the way that action and inanimate objects are being used to describe mm. Maeve. Um, yeah. the, with the cigarette lighter. I want to see something oh, yeah. Maeve leaned over and pushed in the cigarette lighter. And pers pushed in the cigarette lighter. Um, are you in a rush to get somewhere? She shook a cigarette out of the pack. Um, and put her hand over the lighter. If you weren't right there to catch the lighter, it would eject too forcibly and burn a hole in the seat or the floor mat or yeah. your leg, depending on where, it, on where it landed. Did you Do you drive over here when I'm at school? Pop. She caught it and lit her yeah. cigarette. 
that tells me so much about Maeve right yep. there. Like, she yep. is in charge. She is on it. Yep. <laughs> you know, she's smoking, which is yep. also a little, like, bad girl. Yeah. You know? So I felt like... <laughs> and then later, Maeve was an Icelandic truck driver at heart. Yeah. No weather stopped her. <laughs> I thought there were some just really funny, yeah. interesting she, ways to describe people. She was definitely my favorite, my favorite yeah. character in this. Which definitely. is sort of a sort of a shame when we get to chapter two because uh, we, you know we get another glimpse of Andrea coming back mm -hmm. and she's just super awkward. Yeah. She says to the kids, "I'm half Dutch, you know." And Maeve says, "I beg your pardon." And you know, she says, "On my mother's side, what? she was Dutch." And Maeve says, "We're Irish." Which, yeah. you know, it's very, she like clearly has no idea how to relate to these kids. Yeah. But then we get this, this scene, which is, it's a nice scene, but we get this little bit mm -hmm. about how Danny and his father go on Sundays to collect the rent. Oh, yeah. And how his father, you know, even I though he's that a man. was really interesting. I, but I missed Maeve in it a little bit. And Danny oh, yeah. does mention once or twice too, you know, that Maeve was, you know, much better at math than he was, mm -hmm. with, you know, sort of why. But yeah. it's, you know, we, we see that Danny's father wants to take him around and, and see these people, you know, giving up their paycheck and, you know, giving up what they need to live, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to sort of help Danny stay grounded. Yeah. And, and, you know, he says that and he goes and he fixes, it. you know, he has this whole thing about, yep. you know, we went and they would say, I'm like, you know, the toilet's broken and his father, even with his bad knee, which mm -hmm. was hurt in, in World War II. When I was go, a boy, I thought of the trunk as a sort of magic chest, yep. pliers, clamps, hammers, screwdrivers, caulk, nails, everything was there. Yep. Right. And and it does, you know, it, it definitely, mm -hmm. we see it sort of work on Danny and, and keep him grounded. So that is yeah. a nice scene. And then we move right on to this, this weird thing about the mother, right? So mm -hmm. I, this part where there's this, there's, I almost felt like it was a little fake out. So they start talking about, you know, their mother and how... Because the mother wasn't there. She wasn't yeah. there. And, mm -hmm. and we get this moment where our mother wasn't there for dinner that night. And I thought, oh gosh, like she's already mm -hmm. dead. And their father doesn't know how to tell yeah. Maeve or how to tell Danny. And then, mm -hmm. like, two sentences later, mom comes home. And then you learn yeah. she is sick. And so, you know, um, mm -hmm. as She looked Allison, so tired. Maeve told yep. me she looked like she hadn't been to sleep the whole time she'd been gone. Yep. Was yeah. our mother sick? Was she getting worse? Right. She was and, turning into a ghost. Yep. One week she was thinner. Then she was paler. Everything deteriorated so fast. We were all folding up. See, that's a great line. We were yep. all folding up. Yep. Mommy would come home and cry for days. I would go and sit with her in her bed after school. Sometimes we'd be in bed with her playing. When and she was gone, it was unbearable. And when she was home, it was unbearable in a different way because we knew that she was going to leave again. This so much reminded me, by the way, of of one of the chapters in the Testaments. This like same thing mm. happens where, where the, the character narrating is talking about how she didn't really know that her mother was sick and then she starts getting more sick. And even yeah. there's like the even like the servants downstairs and kind of stuff. But as Allison mentioned, there's a line, she had gone to India and she wasn't coming back. And yeah. so, you know, I, I, took to that, <laughs> I took that as she got sick and father didn't know sort of how to tell them. So for me, that was like, wait, you, you did the thing where you faked us out and you told us that that was what, and then it does happen. See, but I you think, make a good I point. I think she's that, maybe been institutionalized. Yeah, you make a good point all, to that. Which is, you know, what, what you did with sad people yep. back in the day. Um, you, you know, you mommy think, would come home and cry for days. Yeah. Do you think she's coming back in later in the book? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, you know, maybe. Yeah. Because let's see now. What we already know is that so as far as far as we've gotten in the future is that Maeve and Maeve is picked up Danny from being away at Choate. Yes. Right. Where where they don't take baths. Right. <laughs> Which 
Ooh, good stuff. I, thought was, yeah. I actually thought that was really interesting. I, I'm just imagining the smell. No, no, well, no, no, they, they take showers, but they don't yeah, take baths. No baths. No baths, and instead they took up smoking. I thought that was such an yeah. interest. There were just, I thought, see, I thought there were some very interesting ways of telling us things. Yeah. Um, but so Maeve must be in her early 20s. Um, Danny's in his they're, teens. They're seven years like older. So the scene that we just got where he picked, she must be 22. Because I think mm -hmm. he says something about He's being 15. 15. Yeah. So then she could still re... Well, because it does say in the opening, <laughs> where is it? Uh, something about over 50 years. Oh, over five decades. Right? Five so decades. Over the course of five decades. Yeah. Right. So like we have another how many decades <laughs> to go through? <laughs> Quite a few. So things could still happen. There's plenty of time. We're only on page 50. Yeah. This book is how many pages long? 337. Yeah. So the mother could come back. She could. I, I, I don't think, think that, that she's way. dead. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think, think that, that she's dead. I sort of just took it at face value that, that she was gone, but oh, that's you, a good point. You mean like with our pets, it's like, oh, they right, went off to right. the farm. They went to, yeah, your dog had to go to India. I'm Mom sorry. Mom went to India. Mom had to go to the farm. <laughs> well, so no, after after Mother goes dead. to India, yeah. Maeve then oh, gets very gets, sick herself. Gets diabetes. She gets diabetes. And mm -hmm. so, you know, this, this sort of... And I thought that this yeah. was very well done. It's sort of a very realistic thing of how, um, you know, the, when tragedy strikes, it kind of keeps striking. You know, yeah. one person and goes into the hospital. And how trauma and emotional, uh, and emotional grief can turn physical. Yeah, yeah. You know, I yeah. thought that I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that because I think it's so easy to just sort of be like, oh, she was upset. She was sad. And it's like, right. no, it is manifested in a right. deeply physiological way right and i liked that i thought I, that worked for me yeah one thing i liked about that was that sort of nobody knows what to do for mave and yeah. that was sort of the first moment where you realize that she kind of is the one that always knows what mm -hmm. to do and so when she gets diabetes and uh, like yeah. they you know the they know sort of like what to try with, with mm -hmm. needles and with food and stuff. Sandy but, like, and Jocelyn and Fluffy devote themselves to my sister. Yeah. The needles, the insulin. But they you know they yeah. don't know like emotionally how to mm -hmm. handle it, and you very much sort of know how how yeah. Maeve is the rock of that family. Well, I mean the way that it finally quote unquote resolves mm -hmm. in the short term is the father. Oh, and see, okay, here's another really cool description. <laughs> Until my father would come into her room and tell her to stop, they had all become characters in the worst part of a fairy tale. Yeah. He was now 100 years old. Stop, he would say, as if he could barely make the words. You have to stop. And finally, she did. Yeah. I thought that was great. That was a nice They had all become chapter. characters in the worst part of a fairy tale. Yeah. That is so, you know what that is. Yeah. Right? That yeah. tells so much right there. He was now 100 years old. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. I don't know. I, there, there were moments that I was really enjoying here. Clearly. <laughs> well, and I think, again, also, yeah. like, to be fair, I've been working on a memoir yeah. for the past two, three years. Mm -hmm. I have been confined by yeah. the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been trapped in my own little prison yeah. of reality. <laughs> so I think the, I just think the ability, I can sort of feel reading this, like I can feel the author just sort of like spinning mm -hmm. this web of things yeah. and I think part of me has really enjoyed reading that yeah. it's like oh she yeah. can just write whatever she wants yeah. like this is great yeah. I don't know and this I, is what I like about fiction yeah. too though is that when you you know you can get to a point where where these traumatic things happen and those last lines 
are, are very just well written but then yeah. but you can have a sentence like that you know mm -hmm. where he was now a hundred years old yeah. there's no sort of like nudge or like he felt like I mean she literally just says he and was of now course, 100 years old. of course we, we know. know he's not but like that's what you can do and and it's, it's not just a beautiful right, it's not bound to like wait was he actually a hundred wait yeah, I, yeah. I could so, never write that in my right, memoir because people right. would be like what right. um, I'm sorry he's still 42 how did you get to be a hundred I know I could never write that a memoirist could never write that but no. a fiction writer can have that momentary flexibility yeah. with the truth of the world yeah. and I I really enjoyed that yeah yeah so we move to, to chapter three where Andrea mm -hmm. comes back into their lives and oh and the sisters this, yes in this scene Andrea brings her two little girls with her right names Norma. Are Bright and Norma yep. interesting names yeah right right Right. very interesting i wonder if we find out what that name are that must be a nickname right? yeah who calls their child bright yeah anyway and we and they they seem they seem a little younger than danny at yes. this point this seems i was they trying are. to figure out yeah. at what point in time we were i think that mave is just about to leave for her freshman year so she because i think in the next scene it says something like right after that Maeve left for her freshman year um well Maeve was 15 when she first meets andrea right and this is this is not that long after that right maybe a year yeah okay something so like maybe, that. maybe i'm jumping the gun a so, little so okay bit. two years into her regular tenure so right, that okay, makes so may 17 right yeah so so danny is 10 and these girls seem to be a little bit younger than yes, danny they were much younger than me bright the smaller of the two looked like she could have been on a christmas card yeah there you go <laughs> that's good yeah so mm -hmm. they're sort of left in charge of these girls and andrea and, and mm -hmm. their father go out and Danny is definitely, you know, he's pissed about it. I think that he like, sort of, what? yeah, had their own plans for the evening. Mm -hmm. But Andrea, or, I'm sorry, Andrea, uh, Maeve just sort of takes right up and gives them this big grand tour of mm -hmm. the house. And, and as uh, Allison was saying, you know, we, we get these little bits of, you know, mm -hmm. going into the dark basement, and you yeah. know, they, they, I like that she shows them where Sandy and Jocelyn make pickles and jams and stewed tomatoes, yeah. like all these little things. Well, and I think there's some great specificity in there. For instance, in these descriptions mm -hmm. of like walking around the house, Maeve went off to find a flashlight and then opened the door to the basement. Don't use the handrail, she said over her shoulder. You'll get splinters. Yep. Just pay attention and look at your feet. Yep. Like that's a lovely specificity. Yep. It's a know? nice way to go back through the house again, too. It's almost oh, like she yeah. senses like. Okay, I've called this book the Dutch House. Like, let's get back to the house a little bit. We talked bit about how grand see. it is sort of in a right. big way. Let's be specific. There's that nice moment, too, mm -hmm. where they take them to the ballroom on the third floor, and one of the little girls is like, that's stupid. Who, Who puts ballroom? the ballroom on the yeah. third floor? Norma had asked me to explain <laughs> that when the house was built, a third floor ballroom was considered the height of fashion. Yep. A fad, really. She said it didn't last. But once you put a ballroom on the third floor, it's pretty much impossible to move it. Yeah. <laughs> and actually this is Wisdom my from yeah, <laughs> my favorite line of these first 50 pages after the girls left and you know they're sort of recapping their night and again Danny is still mad Maeve put her hand on my forehead the way she did when I was sick and this is my favorite they're little Danny I feel sorry for anyone who's that little oh <laughs> yeah <great>. like, <laughs> they're little Danny I feel sorry for anyone who's that little and we you know we see yeah. Andrea come back and so mm -hmm. you know, Danny then gives us this little bit about sort of how they eat dinner you know depending on yeah if their father comes home and mm -hmm. can join them then they all eat together in the dining room if mm -hmm. he can't then they just Dan, danny and mave and their dad will eat cold food later and then on sunday when when there's Sandy just this and wonderful Jocelyn, this is how we do it which yep, happens yep. in and a family again a little bit more into the the house too he mentioned mm -hmm. something like the kitchen was was very small but on sundays they would have their cold dinner that sandy yeah. leaves for them in mm -hmm. the small kitchen 
So, but it, it is during one of these meals that Maeve Ooh. decides to to say to her dad, you know, listen, mm-hmm. this I don't appreciate that. You know, she sort of says, you know, I'm trying to find exactly what she says. Bottom to of thirty nine. While I had my eye on her, Maeve did the most astonishing thing I had ever known yep. her to do. Very casually, while spooning out <laughs> potato salad, she told our father that it wasn't our responsibility to take care of Andrea's daughters. He sat with this for a moment, chewing the bite of chicken he just put in his mouth. That's a yep. and I you know, the specificity of the potato salad and yep. you know, again, I, I just love having a scene set for me. Yeah. <laughs> I think part of I think part of my one of my favorite things about fiction is I can just sort of sit back and be like, Look at this happen. Yeah. You know, I yep. really enjoy that kind of thing. I see a lot of theater and yeah. I used to be an actor as well. Yep. So I love um you know how they talk about when you're in the theater, you've always gotta have your business, have business your yep. stuff of what you're doing. Yep. And I always think about that, and I always talk about that with my students. You know, you're not, it, you, you can't just have these disembodied voices yeah. yep. <laughs> talking. Just talk, yeah, to be doing something. They yeah. have to be doing things. They have bodies. There yep. are objects. You know, we yep. all, right now, you cannot see this as a podcast. I am gesturing wildly with <laughs> right, my hands. Right, right. We both have you our know. books in our hands. I keep drinking exactly. my tea. Right. Yeah, and I think I see those little moments happening here, and I really like them. Yep. So that's also something that I'm really that I enjoy yeah. in this book. Yeah. That there are these lovely little specific corporeal, you know, very like tactile yep. moments that's working for me. One thing my acting professor always said, which he's totally right about, and I always do, is like he said, you know, whenever I get in a fight with my wife, I always go clean something, and mm-hmm. I do the same thing. If 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 Lisa <laughs> and I are having an argument about something, I just like start cleaning dishes or just like sweeping something out. It's just yep. like something to channel some frustration in there Mm -hmm. and and that's sort of what happens in this scene um you know Mm -hmm. so Maeve and uh, you know Maeve it really her father starts nitpicking at it and is like what else did you have to do and she says you Mm -hmm. know I had homework and he's like you couldn't do that later and really that's not the point and and it's also clear Maeve was ready for it she thought it all out in advance maybe she'd been thinking about it since I objected to the tour yep they're Andrea's children, and she, she and she should take care of them, not me. Yeah, and so basically, the you know it ends with the old parent. You're you, you're under my house. You eat my food. You yeah. do what I say. Mm-hmm. But a great a great little yeah, bit where when you, you live under my roof and eat my food, I suppose you can trouble yourself to look after our guests when I ask you to. Right, and so Maeve then stands up and says, "You didn't ask me," and that's where she walks away. Bam! So it's dad to the punch. This mm-hmm. actually was. I mean, this is page forty, and this was yeah. my favorite bit of dialogue so yeah. far because because there was some tension here and, mm-hmm. and i like this like you know sort of subtext that's going on beneath it too yep. of like you know no, neither of them are really getting to the point and then finally well and that's a great example of dialogue yep. Yep. good dialogue in a script you're yep. not actually saying what you're trying to say yep. which is how people talk but right. nonetheless if it's done well the audience can be like oh shit that's what's happening yep Yep. Right, so this is great dialogue. Yep. It's a great scene happening. And I actually think yep. Maeve never really says what she is mm-hmm. getting at. She she responds, she retorts, you didn't ask me, and she leaves it at that. And so well, I she think she never that, says, why are you bringing this right. woman to the house? Exactly. What do you think you are doing? That is that is what's lingering underneath right. this. And, well, and, and then the last of that chapter yeah. is, um, so Maeve has gone up to her room. Danny yep. comes after her. I handed her the orange, and she dug in her nails to open it up. great physical great great business business. business. and that's a great sort of like metaphor she dug in her nails Mm -hmm. to open it up Mm -hmm. great great little business happening um you've got color all those things she bent her knees so i could sit down in front of her this doesn't bode well for us danny she said you might as well know that (laughs) you might as well know that That, that's a great ending of a chapter like how could you not want to keep reading after that you know there's stakes set up 
She's and that's that's a scene that I really loved with Maeve too. She's just so smart. Yeah. She's she is I she strikes me as someone who's smart. There was some great description about the way that she was using everything that he had taught her. Oh yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, everything my father had ever taught her was used against him now. Yes. Maeve, sit up straight. Maeve, look me in yes. the eye. Maeve, get your hands out of your hair. <laughs> Maeve, speak up. Yes. Don't expect anyone will do you the favor of listening if you don't trouble yourself to use your voice. Yes. It's good to, to sort of have that. I mean, the this, the father character is is interesting. Cyril, sort of, apparently. Cyril. You don't really like him, but you don't really hate him. You can see, no. you know, oftentimes that he's sort yeah. of trying his best, but he also is just mm-hmm. so horribly out of touch with his own emotions and trying to say what he's he wants to say. He's not an active character. No, I, no. You know? And I didn't really love his character. He doesn't stand up for his kids. He doesn't no. seem to stand up for his wife. Right. Not Andrea, his first wife. <laughs> you know, in he India. doesn't seem to be a very forthright yep. person. But then we do see him in that earlier chapter, you know, uh, picking up the little boy right. of his tenants um, who's so clearly sick and like yeah. maybe on like death's door and right. taking him to the hospital and clearly right. making it clear that like he's paying for it. Yeah. Yeah. Know, which he does not have to he's do. He's certainly all. not someone without um, compassion, but right. it's, it, it was almost one of those characters that you can clearly see. He has more compassion, his compassion for almost everything else, but his own children sometimes. Right. And, and like, it's because he doesn't know how yeah. to express it. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly the way he expresses his love to Maeve is to, try to prep her for something in her life but Mm -hmm. it's just there's no there's no sort of love or compassion shown yeah so but it was a cool thing to have it sort of thrown back in his face i completely oh i i love that (laughs) i was like you go mave i was really i was really into mave and this the scene is also a great moment of i think that might be one of the first sort of real moments of insight we see for danny when page 40 the father Mm -hmm. were you planning on doing something else last night homework mave said on a saturday Maeve was pretty enough and popular enough that she would never have had to stay home on Saturday nights, but for the most part, she did. And for the first time, I realized it was because of me. She would never have left me alone in the house. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's sort of like one of the first moments where he's like, oh, the world is not just about me. Yeah. There was one other moment in that that same section on page 41 Mm -hmm. when it's in the midst of maybe like the most tense moment <laughs> oh right 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 the father Another when you live thing, yeah. when you live under my roof and eat my food i suppose you can trouble yourself to look after our guests when i ask you to then there's this wonderful almost sort of like zoom out from yeah. the actual action there was a drip coming from the kitchen faucet drip 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 it made an unbelievable racket echoing off the walls just like the renters said when they complained about their own faucets i'd watched my father change enough washers to think i'd have no problem doing it myself I wondered, were I to get up from the table and look for a wrench, if either of them would notice I was gone? No. You didn't ask me, Maeve said. No. I love that, because yeah. you've got this, like, wonderful set of stakes, and it's like, oh, shit, this conversation, and then, bam, moving away for a second, yeah. this really interesting, again, sort of, like, sense work, back to what's yeah. actually happening. I like that bit, I because like that. I feel exactly the way Danny does, where if it's sort of an argument that you know, you're not involved in... Well, and he's in, just watching. He's exactly. not saying anything. I always have that moment of, like, if I leave... Will anybody care if I'm like, yeah. do I need to be here for the, I'm not, I'm not part of this. Do I need to stay though? Like, do I need mm-hmm. to stay for Maeve? Do I need to stay for well, my and also dad? Well, like, these very what? sort of like emotionally charged moments, you do suddenly become aware of yeah. like sounds, yeah. smells, visuals, right. light, touch. Right. Like suddenly you notice your sweater is so itchy. Right. You know, yep. like, so I thought, again, that was my, I was like, this is working for yep. me. Yep. You know, like another, I felt like I was there. Right. Another good sort of self 
self-reflective moment for Danny, too, to mm-hmm. sort of realize, like, I, I really wanted to get out of there. Yeah. And good to delay that that retort from Maeve as well. Because you're on, you Just want you want to know build. what you want yeah. to know what Maeve's going to say. You yeah. cannot wait. So again, it sort of keeps you reading. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but moving on to chapter four. Right. So so. Maeve has gone to her freshman year at Barnard, mm-hmm. and six weeks after that, she's... Which I just walked by. Yes. <laughs> uh, six weeks later, she's summoned back for the wedding, and this yep. is, you know, sort of a little bit of what it's been building up to, that, you know, yeah. Andrea and, mm-hmm. and their father get married. There's a nice... Again, she brings but the house into a, it. can't be a religious wedding. No, right. Because um, right, right. he was divorced and she wasn't Catholic, right. which made it seem like they weren't really getting married at all. Yep. Oh, shade. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there is an interesting thing, too, where... Uh, I think it's people on Andrea's side of the family are, are like sort of like staring and, and gaping yeah. up at the, the ceilings mm-hmm. and stuff. And Danny feels almost Everyone's going on it. about how beautiful it all was. Yeah. But Maeve, Sandy, and Jocelyn and I knew that all of it was wasted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. damn. Yeah. And also we find out how old Andrea is. My father was 49 oh, on the day of his second wedding and his new wife in her champagne satin was 31. 31, For the right. first time I was able to see how pretty she was, how happy and young. Right. And I guess so... That would make her, what, like 13 years, 14 years older than, than Maeve, right? For my own liking, not old enough. Yeah, but, yeah right, right. Well, oh, and then God, that last killer line. Still, Maeve and I had no idea why he married her. Looking back, I have to say we <laughs> lacked imagination. Yeah. That's some great... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> so after that, it moves then to this next little bit. Again, is a, a, a They're moment back in where, the car. Yeah, Danny mm-hmm. and Maeve were sort of... They're back together. He's yep. back from Columbia, so clearly they're mm-hmm. <laughs> going right across. Columbia. He's yep. back from his his year of medical school. Mm-hmm. They're in the car having a cigarette, and as they get older, they they keep sort of parking across the street from yeah. from the house. And you know, we get a little, uh, you know, that Maeve is working uh, as a bookkeeper for Otterson's, mm-hmm. which is a grocery store, and you know, she's doing all the bookkeeping work. And you know, Danny sort of feels like she's way overqualified for this, and. You know, they start to talk about the future a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's nice for me to see Danny in in sort of a more adult setting where he can think a little bit outside of just what's happening yeah. around him and to sort of, you know, ask his sister some some sort of probing questions. You know, mm-hmm. are, are you going back to school? He kind of is saying, are you going to do that? And yeah. she's like, well, you know. I I'm doing know. this. Right. Yeah. So. You just got here. I'm not going to work. Right. Yeah. And. Mm-hmm. So then we get the scene where, you know, Andrea and her daughters move into the Dutch house. And, and this is what I was mm-hmm. mentioning before, how Danny sort of, you know, he was 11 and he just sort of stops doing anything. And, and Sandy and Jocelyn have to keep kind of prying him. Yep. You know, he has this great moment where he says they would just poke their head in and say, come study downstairs. And, come study you know, downstairs. He wouldn't even question it. He'd just pick up his book and walk downstairs because yeah. they knew it would be bad. They had a keen antennae, both of them, for my loneliness. Yep. I would be doing homework in my room, and Sandy would knock on the door. Come study downstairs, she would say, then turn around without giving me the chance to answer. I would go, algebra book in hand. In the kitchen, Jocelyn would turn off her little radio and pull out a chair for me. Everybody thinks better around food. Yeah. And it's just, you know, they're taking care of him. Love and, in action. And Danny you know? then rewards that with asking them if, you know, he asks Jocelyn, you know, he's sort of missing Maeve, and he says, mm-hmm. do you have a sister? And they both stare at him, and they say, wait, are you kidding? And he says, I don't think so. And Sandy <laughs> says, Danny, seriously? You didn't know that we were sisters? And then Danny has this sort of weird little existential crisis of, like, how did I not know? I mean, I guess I, I could know. know, but nobody ever said anything to me. And, the, and you mm-hmm. know, they try to kind of make a joke of it. Yeah. But I like that the first thing he wants to do is call Maeve at 
at yep. school and he realizes mm -hmm. that would sort of be a waste of a, a, a call and that you know yeah. he has to call and if she's not in her room I mean this mm. I, I, I don't know exactly when this would oh, and be. how it would it take 71 well and the whole transaction earlier. to find out she wasn't there and right. leave a message took at least seven minutes approximately four minutes longer than my father thought a long-distance call right. should last I mean and I, I just turned 30 this year but I remember when I went away to school I had a cell phone, but we didn't have unlimited minutes. Well, so how when old are I, you? I, I, when I was in college. No, how old are you now? 30. I just turned 30 this year. So I'm 36. Right. So, yeah, I did not have a cell phone yep. when I went to college. They I, they existed, but yep. they were like fancy hoity-toity things. <laughs> nice. And you were still you were paying by the minute. Right. I had a landline. You paid by the minute. Yep. Um, and I think nights and weekends were free. So it was, yeah. It, yep. Communication was different. Yep. I mean, it is I, now, my especially freshman, then. Yeah, my freshman year was 2007, and even then, mm -hmm. I bought a landline phone, and I don't think I ended up using it because then I had to stay in the room and I was, mm -hmm. you know, trying to call my high school girlfriend. Oh yeah, you literally like waited by roommates. the phone. Right? Yeah, we you like... literally waited by the phone. <laughs> yeah, that that's awkward. not just a metaphorical yep. saying. Yep. That was literally what yep. you did. You literally hung up phones. Yep. Picked yep. up the phone. <laughs> so yeah. it's funny to me that you know. These are these little moments that I think are funny mm -hmm. for somebody like me where like, yeah, I get that. I get this idea that, you know, he's trying to get in touch mm -hmm. with his sister and he has to go through this whole song and dance of like, am I yeah. going to get her? Am I not? And, and Danny is worried. I don't think I'll catch her and then I'll have called mm -hmm. and they'll have to take a message and yeah. it doesn't seem that important. Right. And, you know, so then he says to his, he just sort of confronts his father and his father says, what difference does it make? And he says to his dad, but you knew. And he says, of course I knew I hired them or your mother hired them. So, so mm -hmm. she comes back. But that is actually where I, I left off because that is page uh -huh. 50. Allison kept going a little bit. But, I finished the chapter. But we, but yeah. for me, we end up there. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so, well, and then on the page before, Danny is on the same idea. What could have been wrong with me that I'd missed all that? Right. You know, and again, sort of like. It, it is nice to see this sort of young boy sort of being like, oh, maybe I'm a little selfish. Right, 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 right. <laughs> maybe I'm a little focused in my yeah. own little world and not sort of opening up. So so at that, I mean, and, and you have pointed out many, many things that you've liked. So after these first were, 50 pages. I there were some good moments. Yeah. Would you, would you delve in for that? I'd keep reading. Yeah. Yeah. And what, so, I mean, and you've, you've pointed out a lot of the great sentence work and line work which you know you're a writing teacher so of course you can really appreciate that stuff but but is that what's keeping you reading at this point in time or you know is it the characters like what what is really driving it for you i really like mave yeah i'm super into mave um i think that's sort of the eerie moments where i mean and it is it's set up from the beginning on you know i think it's on page 10 when andrea is first there and she's commenting um it's so much glass, Andrea said, it's as if making a calculation to see if the glass could be changed, swapped out for an actual wall. Don't you worry about people looking in. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little creepy. <laughs> and then there's the scenes where Maeve and, uh, just later when they're, when Maeve and Danny are the ones watching, you know, she must have watched us, Maeve said, before she ever came in that first time. Or yeah. maybe everybody watched us, everyone who ever drove down this street in the winter. That seems a little self-aggrandizing, Maeve said, everybody. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought I thought some great things were set up. Mm -hmm. I could see some things being set up. I kind of think that the mother will come back. Mm, interesting. I kind of think so. Yeah. Um, You know, I think there's some great sense work and specificity that mm -hmm. I'm enjoying. I'm really interested in Bright and Norma. Mm. Oh, in that same 
you know, one of those same sections where they're, oh yeah, when Maeve and Danny are again a little bit older outside looking at the house, um, the neighbor, who's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I see the girls sometimes. Do you see the girls, meaning Bright and Norma, right. who we meet when they're little? They have better manners. If you ask me, they're the ones to feel sorry for. Ooh, what does that mean? Right. Well, because you know? they're so little, I feel sorry for anyone that little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, and I think sort of, for, anybody, for me, these first 50 pages, on page 45, when it's the discussion between mm. Maeve and Danny, do you think it's possible to ever see the past as it actually was? <laughs> I asked my sister. I think maybe because, like, I'm writing a memoir. Mm -hmm. That is what I'm doing, yeah. trying to look into my past right. and write about it in yeah. both a honest and also artistic way, trying yeah. to, you know, put some things together, figure out a way to make meaning, finding the pattern, seeing what they all add up to, how they impact my life as an adult. So I think maybe I'm connecting to that as sort of being a central idea here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also very enjoyable to see characters, like, made-up people doing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to my my own yeah uh personal and artistic right. <laughs> work um but you know i think later but we overlay the, the present onto the past we look back through the lens of what we know now so we're not seeing it as the people we were we're seeing it as the people we are yeah. and that means that the past has been radically altered um i don't know i think it's interesting yeah. i i will keep reading this yeah I probably I will not keep reading this until after I finish the book, which which it will be done. But I'm in glad the next two I'm glad weeks. you have something to to pick back up and, and you know look I forward this. to. Yeah, I'm very interested in the women. I'm very yeah. interested in Sandy, yeah. in both of that Jocelyn. Jocelyn. Yeah, they're good characters. Yeah, I'm interested in the two daughters. I think I think Danny is the character that I am least engaged with, and mm. he is the narrator. Yeah. You know, um, but I do like that because we're getting told by him we get to see Maeve in action. Right, right, like, right. we get to literally see her yes. doing things. And I love that yeah. perspective. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe I wonder, could this have been in third? Yeah, I, I had that same, you know, that same sort of idea, too, of, I like, don't know. you know, how much Danny as a narrator sometimes, sometimes it gives us good insight and, and it's fun to see things filter through him. And sometimes it's just... And again, I, I mean, maybe I liked the moments when they were a little bit older more. Mm -hmm. So maybe as, you know, as, as the yeah. more of the story is recounted in there, mm -hmm. you know, they're in a place where he can sort of have some dialogue that, that can add to the story. Something can of, really sort of happen with him right. as opposed to just he has, even though he's the boy, you know, right. he's the son. He has very little agency here. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's that I'm all I always connect to characters with agency to characters who are trying who are in a in a pickle and trying to get out, right. you know, or sort of right, trying right. to fix things. Right. And I see Maeve as someone who's doing that. And, and in ways as well, um, both of the uh, Jocelyn and Sandy and yeah. even what is it? Fluffy. Fluffy. Right. The, the, the old <laughs> nanny. Fluffy. <laughs> yeah. The old nanny who may or may not have been having an affair with their father. Right. I mean just funny interesting little <laughs> things um yeah fluffy you know we we talked about that first sentence and i realized when we were talking about that you know that was sort of the one part of the, the there was one of the things that you didn't love about the book but that first sentence to me for me as a reader that sentence encapsulates this book for me mm -hmm. i i really liked mave as a character but i felt like the driving part of it was Andrea coming to the Dutch house. No, no, no. You are absolutely right. But that yeah. to me, you know, I, I would shelve this book because that to me did not, that just like it didn't make enough tension for me mm -hmm. to keep reading. 
and I think that I think this oh, is yeah. just a personal you know thing for me. I am very much, and I've talked about this to death on the podcast. But you know, I I am a I, I like plots. I can forgive a lot of things if the plot is kind of big and crazy, yep. and you know that's just the kind of reader that I am. So I often found myself sort of wondering. Where what was the tension? About? Right, yeah, like what are we leading to? What am I to? reading for? And it, totally. se- it still seems to me to be yeah. sort of when Andrea sort mm-hmm. of supplants herself as the mother well, figure. Well, for me, it is that. For me, where right. I, you know, sutured to the book yep. was page 10, it's so much glass, Andrea said, as if making a calculation to right. see if the glass could be changed, swapped out for an actual wall. Right. That to me was like, oh, shit's going to go down right. about right. the house. And That's where I like connected. But yeah. then it's not. That we sort of come and go from that as like yeah. a driving plot right. line. And to me, it feels I like... I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. She, it feels like she really wants to get back to the house often. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I mean, as much as I like, I like learning about... I mean, like literally, I, I'm the kind of person who will go to an old estate and to... Like, I like that kind oh, of stuff. I totally. that stuff too. So I enjoyed yeah. that. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it did kind of keep pulling me out. And, you know, we talked about the fairy tale thing. And, and again, as mm-hmm. I was kind of putting the pieces together for it, I guess if you take a step back and look and see... Two children, mother is gone, we don't quite know where. Well, and there's almost like a and, haunted house right. quality to it, especially the descriptions of it before they moved in with the raccoons. Yeah, the house like is sort of weird and gothic, and these yeah. children find themselves there, and never really feels like home. That's very fairy tale, the, no the mother. evil stepmother coming mm-hmm. in, the innocent like children there, sort of mm-hmm. what, and, and Maeve sort of being this this heroic character who mm-hmm. can stand up to her father, who could stand up to Andrea. But still isn't very powerful, right? And, because and, she's a young woman. Right, Is yeah. how much is she sort of growing? Going into her power, mm-hmm. and I don't mean to sort of trivialize it all no, into no, no. like fairy yeah. tale or the hero's journey, but so looking back, I, I am interested in it. But you know, I, I it started to get more interesting to me towards the end. That dinner scene, I really actually did enjoy, where where she says to her dad, "You know, it's not, a little badass. Right, it's not my job to watch these kids." And because mm-hmm. I thought the subtext was so great, great there. subtext again, so, like it it really that reminded me a lot of like really good dialogue in a script. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, that doing would, all this work, but yeah. you're not actually saying right. what you're what you want to say because that's how real people talk. Yeah, that scene would work so well in a play. So well, so well. And this is one of the first things I think I've read on the podcast where I actually feel like retooled and done as a film would work mm. a little better because you could show so much of the house without mm-hmm. it interrupting a lot. Yeah. You know, you can sort of run through the character. Uh, but but uh, we'd also maybe lose some of Ann Patchett's good line work and, and, yeah. and writing in that. But but so much of her line work is very corporeal and sense yeah. oriented that I think that could possibly transfer right. to film. I mean, I love fiction for exactly that thing you pointed out in the scene with the argument when Danny sort of takes a step back and is like the sink was dripping. You can't. It doesn't work drip, the same drip, in film. Drip. If yeah. you're if two people are having an argument and you focused on him and had him look over, you'd be like, mm-hmm. what the hell? I mean, you want to keep going. You want the argument to keep going and just get to the point. Yeah. You want to get to the point where maybe it just doesn't work that way. But in fiction, it can work. And that's what I love about yeah. fiction is that you can get away totally. with those moments. So, the, yeah. I, I mean, there is nothing bad about this book. And honestly, <laughs> going through it with my writing teacher here, <laughs> you know, you've definitely pointed out a lot of things that I, I felt like maybe I missed on my first read. But, but I think on a personal just like pleasure plot thing I don't think I would keep going with there's this not book, a but. strong plot engine mm-hmm. right now and I'm I'm assuming this is also a pretty big book I mean yeah. it's what is a 337 I said something yeah. like that yeah, it's, yeah. it's a it's not quite doorstop but it's a, right. it's a decently sized book yeah um so you know maybe this is a kind of thing 
where the further along you get, all of a sudden, oh, got it. This is all making right. sense. Right, Locked right. in. Woo, we yeah. go. <laughs> you know, speeds up. Everything gets scarier. Yeah. Um, I feel like if this is if the if this plot if this book is a roller coaster, I feel like we are still in that slow chug along, moving up. But it's yeah. not even a particularly um, regular chug. I feel like it's a little sort of stop start. So yeah. I totally see yeah. how, you know. Well, what, what are we getting up to? Is right. this ride worth it? Right. You know, right, right. Um, so that all being said, yeah. the the questions that I then like to sort of go to after that are: Do you do you have somebody in this in your life that you would recommend this book to? You know, I'm trying to think of what kind of books my mother. Well, see, my mother likes thrillers. Yeah. My mother's really into thrillers. I recently re recommended um, Looker by Laura Sims. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. To my mother. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking about recommending to her her body and other parties. Yeah. But that might be a little too. Might be a dark, there. dark yeah. and creepy. Yeah. Um, I feel like my grandmother might really like this book, which yeah. maybe sounds kind of funny. Like I give it to my grandma, <laughs> but I think she would like this. Yeah. Um, I think my mom might like this too. Yeah. Um, I think I might have the same thing as you in that so many of my friends are writers, right. or directly in the literary world, agents, editors. Yeah. You know things yeah. like that. I feel like this is a book that a lot of people would have already read. Yeah. Or been aware of. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I definitely feel like, I mean, just, just doing this with you, it made me realize, like, yeah, if you're a writer who, who likes prose and likes good line work, like, absolutely. It's a well-written book so cause, far. Because you'll find a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's even stuff in here that you just made me think about, like, man, I would totally use that dinner scene and, like, teach that. Like, there's, there's just good enough stuff in there mm -hmm. to, to sort of point to. So even, like, young yeah. writers, if you're looking for a good example of sort of how to do some some things really well i think there's there's good stuff in there and i think people who are just and Patchett you know, is literally is clearly yeah, a good writer absolutely you know? i mean just if you're if you like literary fiction in general i mm -hmm. feel like this is a good one to pick up and i think yeah. that's why it sold well at the store i think it was getting good reviews and yeah. you know it was probably a great present for you know it sold this was you know november's bestsellers people are getting ready for, for the i was talking to a friend of mine about this book and she was saying that she hadn't read it yet but her mother had and loved yeah, it yeah. so i feel like this is, I feel like, I feel like, okay, obviously I haven't finished it, but I feel like this is a book that maybe I would give to a woman friend. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I think because Maeve is such a strong, interesting character. And again, yeah. even though it's told from Danny's point of view, I am, there's a lot of women here. Yeah, there's really only Danny and then the father, the father so far. We have not met any other men and neither of these men are particularly uh, strong characters, right. not right, a lot right. of agency. Right. Um, you know, not sort of really taking charge. Yeah. So I'm seeing a lot of strong women yeah. trying to make things work. Even Andrea, who I don't like, she's nonetheless clearly taken charge. Yeah, absolutely. Which I nonetheless can appreciate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I would think of this as a good book for a cool woman in my life who yeah. I knew sort of liked, yeah. you know, longer yeah. longer novels. This isn't a short novel. It's, no. It was a fast read for me, though, because yeah. I think the, the writing is good. And, you know, I read through it pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, this wasn't a book that I had to like slog through. I read right. this. Right. I read this in about right. an hour yeah. or so. And fifty pages. The other thing that I like to ask is: Do we do a thing at the store called blind date with a book, where you, mm. you you have the book inside and then you pick three comparative titles to oh, sort of go geez. with it? So, so I'll give you a sec to think of like, mm -hmm. and you know, this I I it, you know you're pretty fast and loose. I always say like this isn't something I would pick for blind date with a book because it's very popular. So you don't want people to buy it and open it up and be like, oh, I already read Dutch House. Why yeah, did you yeah. give me this? But mm -hmm. funny enough, 
just that little bit of the testaments so much reminded me of of this scene and then i guess the other thing too i i, I couldn't help because um risa and i rented the downton abbey movie last week and so oh, i was thinking of, I no, watch abbey. oh it's great and yeah. and the what's great about it is this good upstairs downstairs sort of drama of like what i the do love this upstairs and, downstairs right. things happening and what i like about this actually is that it's not totally you know, clearly the father is a man who came into mm -hmm. money, but isn't super comfortable with it. Well, and, the, oh, and he spends a lot of time. And then there's this interesting little conversation. Um, he would tell me to pay attention. This is when Danny, the father has taken Danny on the ride along to yep. pick up rents once a month. He would tell me to pay attention because one day the business was going to be mine. I would need to know how things were done. The only way to really understand what money means is to have been poor, he said to me. He said to me when we were eating lunch in the car. That's the strike you have against you. A boy grows up rich like you, never wanting for anything, never being hungry. He shook his head as if it had been a disappointing choice I'd made. Yeah. I don't know how a person overcomes a thing like that. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I like you know? how it sort of crosses crosses into that. Mm -hmm. You know, they eat dinner in the servant's kitchen and, and yep. it's not the servant's kitchen. They even mentioned like, why is the kitchen so small? And Sandy and Jocelyn say to them, you know, it's small because nobody gave a damn how much space the servants used to have. Mm -hmm. They were just there to do it. But but it's sort of the family kitchen. So And they also clearly have respect for that because right. then there's a there's a mention in that section about how afterwards Maeve was all Maeve always made a point to clean up mm -hmm. because she felt like it was their kitchen. Yes. It was Jocelyn and Sandy's kitchen, right. not hers. Right. So it is sort of addressing these intro sort of like class yep. and hierarchy things in these very subtle ways. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so, yeah. yeah, I feel like if, if you're a fan of Downton Abbey or even that sort of thing, it's not as prevalent as that because, mm -hmm. you know, it's not set in the same time period. But I did have a lot of that on my mind. And even just this big, beautiful sort of grand house as, as yeah. a big setting, too, kind mm -hmm. of reminded me of that. So Well, and, it, and it's clearly, I mean, okay, we don't know. We don't know yet about them being pushed back into poverty, okay. duh, 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 but right. clearly it is about having and not having yeah, yeah right yeah. and that's yeah. that's always interesting yeah i would also think so this this is sort of this might be a funny comparison but i think all of the dutch talk it made me think <laughs> a little bit about that book the girl with the pearl with the pearl earring oh oh yeah which is not that's at all right. the same <laughs> yeah not at all the same although it is it is about there's women the dutch, characters right. yeah yeah <laughs> and there's dutch mentioned because it's about right. the dutch painter right but that's about it yeah, that's um funny. and that's a very different book but nonetheless for yeah. some reason i was like oh all this dutch stuff yeah. what book was that yeah. that i read <laughs> i guess i'm always curious sort of what yeah what things are on people's mind and those sort of those sort of like free associations <laughs> that we make though right yeah, yeah. no you know like oh yeah dutch i mean it, the girl with the pearl earring. yeah <laughs> <laughs> There's so much of one of my favorite places around here is, and if you've never been and get a chance ever to go, is is great, which is is Kaikit, which is the Roosevelt House up in I guess it's Phillips Manor, technically mm. not far from from Terrytown, from Sleepy Hollow area. Mm. And, you know, it's a house mm -hmm. with an old Dutch name, and it started as this yeah. little estate. And there's so much, you know, so many nods to the Dutch heritage mm -hmm. around here. And this is in Philadelphia, so it's close yeah. by. And I actually I think I remember reading in an interview with Ann Patchett, she mentioned something like. She wanted to set it in Philadelphia because she'd been there and she liked mm -hmm. that area, but also that New York was going to be a big part of the story. And so just the proximity to it was, oh. was handy for her characters. So I imagine, Bernard, like, I imagine we'll get, Bernard. Yeah, I imagine we'll get a little bit more of, of that in there as well. I but, guess. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm into it. Yeah. I, I would keep reading it. I would recommend this book. It was definitely a, a, a delve in for Allison, but a, a shelf for me but yeah. uh, you know like so many things on the podcast it 
I, I absolutely can see why it, you know, sold so many copies in November and, and there was some really great stuff in here as well. I mean, there's always the thing where you know, if I'm reading something and I know I'm not really enjoying it or I know I'm going to shelve it. And, you know, recently I have this conversation all the time of like, you know, what are the good things that you can take away from it? And I think that's, you know, partly going through an MFA program of like, you don't always get to read the books that you want to read. You get assigned a bunch of stuff. So yeah. what can you take from those books to, to get to your own writing? So, yeah. You know, I think also literally looking at the book, yeah. I think also why I was maybe set up thinking that this was going to be <laughs> a female narrator is because the cover is this oil painting. I, I It made me think of when, when it was described the painting of Maeve. Yeah. And yeah, assuming yeah. this is maybe kind of supposed to be suggestive of the painting of Maeve. So yeah. Because it's a painting of a young girl, I think opening it, you're like, oh, it's going to be about a young girl. Yeah. Like, Yep. Point of view from a young girl. Yep. And I mean, so, on the back it says jacket design and jacket painting by. So so this isn't, oh, you know, another it's an original. It's, it's an original thing for this. Oh, that's which great. Is super cool. Yeah. And if you're out there listening, Harper, don't you dare change it for the paperback. You leave it. No, I, I, I really, I really world, like but, this. Yeah. I mean, I really like this cover. It's yeah. a very engaging cover. It really is. You know, I like the birds in the background. Yep. It's very, it's a very pretty cover. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into it. Definitely. But yeah, but, uh, but it was a, a, a delve in for, for Allison. I'll keep reading. A shelf yeah. for me. Uh, but I'm so glad you could you could come up and, and do this with me. Of course, um, anytime. I'm glad you have something to continue on with when the book is all done. I'm excited. Now is the, the, the part I've eagerly been waiting for, which is when I ask you if you have anything to plug. And I know you have lots of things. So beyond... Your book, Being Lolita, do you have a, a release date for it? Yes, my book, uh, Being Lolita, a memoir, is coming out on August 4th, 2020. Cool. My book is a Leo, um, <laughs> which is very exciting. It's a great sign for a book yes. to be. Um, I am personally a Capricorn with a Leo rising, so nice. it's nice fit for me. When is your birthday? It was actually two days ago. Oh, that's right. You just tell turned 36. About that. Yes. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> um, so the book will be available in August. Um, and uh, in addition to that, um, Pigeon Pages, my yes. literary journal and reading series. We nest every month at McNally Jackson <laughs> Books in Williamsburg. This month um, on the 22nd, January 22nd, we are hosting Shira Ehrlichman. And then we are also hosting a poetry contest right now cool. online. And nice. our judge is Ada Limon, cool. which is very exciting yes. for us. And yeah, we are yeah. open for submissions for prose, poetry, all the time. Cool. And yeah. where can you find Pigeon Pages again? PigeonPagesNYC.com and at PigeonPagesNYC <laughs> nice. on all of the social medias. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Great. Well, so thank you. Us. Thank you so much for doing this. Are you gearing up for the semester soon? Yes. Nice. My semester starts in two weeks. Cool. So, which is right when... The book will be to bed. Yeah. So it's exciting. It's a nice. lot happening at once. Nice. Yeah. But it's exciting. Tell your students all about it. They're going to think you're so cool. Actually, I don't tell my <laughs> students about my own writing. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of weird. I sort of want to have like the distance yeah. and yeah, be yeah. like, but you know, it, it's all online or just the fact right, that I have a right, book right, and what it's about right. is all online now. The book is available for pre-order. Cool. Nice. Um, which is great yeah. from your favorite indie bookstore. Woo! Thank you. Woo! <laughs> um, indie bound. It's on indie bound. Yes. Yep. Um, so they can find out what it is, yeah. but I don't talk about it because yeah. I feel weird <laughs> doing that. It makes me feel funny. <laughs> um, like I would never assign my own work. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't That'd think be I weird. We did that in Martin Amos's class. We sort of right. begged him. We sort of begged him that. to do that. I think it was sort of like, can we just can we like do one of yours? And yeah, he he took questions about it, which I thought was was fun. Was but. it like Cupid's Arrow? No, uh, uh, Times Arrow, which actually Times was Arrow. was the one that I had read. I was mm -hmm. I was very curious about that one because right. I liked the idea of this 
the world moving backwards mm-hmm. and through World War II. And then I asked him, I was like, where did you get the idea? And he said it was like pretty much lifted from a paragraph in Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. Right. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it. And that's so cool. <laughs> so I like that. I like right. that. But I don't think I could ever really I mean, do I do that. always enjoy asking my favorite writers about their writing. Yeah. I yep. love that. Yep. I love sort of getting to peek behind the curtain yeah. about like, you know, oh, well, was this on purpose? They were like, right. no. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> or to find out that something was intentional yeah. or... You know, I always think that's really interesting, but just the same. I'd feel super awkward being like, here, read right. my book, and then we can talk about it. <laughs> this is the uh, best paragraph. They're all the best paragraphs. Exactly. It's, it's such well-written, yeah. don't you think? Buy it full price. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. It'll, it'll be on my course reader. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all well, other books you can buy used, but not mine. But not mine, yeah. No. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Again, that was a delve-in for Allison and a shelf for me, but... A lot of good, a lot of good line talk, and it's fun. To, it's still, it's a well written book. This. Absolutely, Our, it's is. a well written book, and that's always a plus yeah. in my mind. It's fun to get back into it and really dig your claws into the yeah. line work and stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't always do that by myself. So thank you, Allison. You're welcome. Of thank course. Thank you for listening out thank there, you. and good night from us, and good night from creepy Maeve. No, creepy Andrea in the glass in the Dutch house. Creepy Andrea. Maeve yeah. wasn't creepy. We liked her. Maeve was great. <laughs> Furthermore was created by Andy Dorado. It's written, edited, produced, and all the music that you hear is by Andy Dorado. Oh, by the way, remember when Allison and I were talking about weird song titles? Well, the two songs you hear at the beginning and the end of each Furthermore episode both have strange titles. The beginning song is called That Wasn't a Machine, That Was a Hacked, and the end song is called The Young Lion of the West of the East. So yes, old songs, weird names, still kicking. Hey, have you found Furthermore on Instagram yet? I mean, seriously, have you even tried looking? Like, have you really sat down and tried? Don't worry about it. Furthermore podcast, all one word. It's the best place to find us. It's our social media. We've got all kinds of fun posts, cool things, any new news, any new episodes, all posted there. Furthermore podcast, all one word. Have you told a friend about Furthermore? Hey, if you have friends that are looking for a new podcast or maybe some book recommendations or just trying to figure out something to listen to in the new year, recommend Furthermore to them. It's the best way to help us grow, and I really would love to share this with more people. I can't believe we're already on episode 12. I've only been doing this for about five months now, and it's crazy to me that we've made it through 12 episodes, 12 books. I have so much more fun stuff planned. And on that note, the plan for February is all Furthermore head-to-head. Every week in February, four Furthermore head-to-heads. I've got a bunch of fun stuff planned out. we got movies, we got TV shows. If you like the Furthermore head-to-head stuff, we've done that on It, and we had a special holiday episode on A Muppet Christmas Carol versus A Christmas Carol. I've got four more and brand new ones coming for you in February. Stick around. All the artwork for Furthermore is done by Max Farinato. You can find Max on Instagram at cbartist underscore or on Twitch at cbartist. Max and I really want to do another collaboration pretty soon, maybe on one of his Twitch live streams, so stay tuned for that. If you liked any of the artwork and you want to buy some prints, check him out at maxfarinato.com. That's M-A-X-F-A-R-I-N-T-O.com. Back in November, I was finishing up The Handmaid's Tale, but my favorite book from November was actually one that I got at Book Expo a few years ago. It was the only middle reader book I read this year, but I got it a long time ago, and I got it signed by the author, and it sounded really fun, so I read through it. It's The Inquisitor's Tale by Adam Gidwitz. The Inquisitor's Tale, or The Three Magical Children and Their Holy Dog, is the full title of it, and, you know, maybe you can guess now why I seem to like it. The story follows three children in France back in the day who each have some sort of strange miracle happen around them. They're sort of chased and plotted and prodded. There's a lot in there about relationships between religion and people and and class differences. It was a pretty deep book for what it was, but I thought it still got the message across in a way that kids could understand. The kids end up going to Mont Saint-Michel, which was somewhere that Risa and I went on our honeymoon 
four years ago now, and one of my favorite places in the world. Incredible. If you haven't seen a picture of Mount St. Michel, just Mount St. Michael, Google that. It's pretty amazing. It was a fun book. It was a weird thing for me to read a middle reader book, but I was reading it before bed and I did quite enjoy it. Thank you to Adam Goodwitz for signing my copy years ago at Book Expo. I think it was probably 2016 or 2017 that I got it, and I had a lot of fun reading it. I want to say thank you to Allison for taking some time out of her very busy schedule to come up and do this episode with me. Allison has so much fun stuff going on, so please do me a favor, check out Pigeon Pages. You can find on the social media, everything there, and keep your eyes open for Being Lolita, August 4th. I know Allison and I said it a whole lot, but it's coming, people. I've read parts of it. I'm sure it's much more polished now, but it was fantastic. Allison is a great person and a great writer. Please, please, please buy her book, and hey, if you need a place to get it from, reach out to me on Instagram. I will make sure you get it. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Furthermore. Stick around in February for our big Furthermore head-to-head bonanza that we've got going on. And don't forget to subscribe to us on social media. And hey, if you like this episode and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating or, or give me a review. I know a lot of people listen from a lot of different places. I would love some feedback. I would love some comments. Let me know if you're out there. Don't forget, if you ever need a book recommendation, please reach out to me. It's what I do. This is Andy, and hey, keep reading. If we were an accident, I'll swear you to the stars. A regression's just a point on a line we call a scar. I made a vow to care.